Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Spilling Royal Tea with Sean Mandel and Craig Robert Young. So breaking news, uh, Meghan Markle's father, Thomas Markle, is not going to be attending the royal wedding this Saturday. Um, it's kind of a bombshell announcement. Uh, Kensington Palace had previously announced that Thomas would be attending, which everyone was speculating about, yeah. by the way, because, you know, he's had some health troubles uh in the past um and it wasn't clear whether or not he would be able to you know make it to the uk and obviously st george's chapel at windsor castle is a very long long aisle to walk down um you know princess diana's father famously had trouble you know was seen looking rather pained when he was walking her down the aisle of st paul's cathedral in london an even bigger uh venue so there were some questions initially, but, you know, we were told all signs are good. Um, the problem has been now apparently that uh, there has been a bit of a scandal regarding uh, photos being taken by paparazzi of Thomas Markle. Yeah. Like last week, we were reporting on that he was getting fitted for a suit. Right. We previously reported on that he was looking at the Visit Britain right. magazine. All those, fun, all those fun photos that we had been talking about that yeah. we thought were so adorable. It turns out um, Thomas had been working with one of those you know, photo agencies yeah. to sort of set up those shots. And he had been making, apparently, uh, you know, some money from those. TMZ, um, myself, uh, as well as Harvey Levin today, you know, we spoke with Thomas Markle. And Thomas told us that the reason why he wanted to do that was not... It was not a money-motivated decision. Even though he did get some money out of it, that was not the main impetus because he had been offered much larger sums over the last year since Meghan and Harry's romance went public to do an interview, right? Yeah. So he had been offered between $50,000 and about $100,000 is what he told us for it, just for an interview before. But his reason for wanting to do these photos was that he felt that the image that was being presented to the world of him was just really unfair and was really cruel. Very unflattering. I wouldn't want anyone uh, taking a picture picture of me at, you know, when I've overslept and running late to work at four in the morning. I mean, it's not a cute look. Um, So he very much felt that uh, the narrative being put out there of him and the image particularly putting out him was unfair. So he wanted to be seen to be the doting father and caring father, you know, that that he feels he is. And so he decided to work with this photo agency because they were going to take photos of him one way or the other. Regardless, yeah. Regardless. And, you know, Princess Diana sort of had her own relationship with the press and that. It's, respect. it's not uncommon. The other really interesting thing, though, to show, and I think this proves, you know, how caring of a father he is, is that he said that, you know, he tells us he actually had a heart attack six days ago. Yeah, I heard that, yeah. I mean, which is incredible. He released himself from the hospital, right? Yep. He said, I have to get out. Like, I can't stay here. I have to be going to the UK. My daughter's getting married. I'm walking her down the aisle. Um, and billions of people will be watching. And that now coupled with this situation with the photos he feels that he's going to be a distraction and he doesn't want to embarrass the royal family. He doesn't want to embarrass Megan. I'm told from some sources that Megan was deeply embarrassed when this whole thing broke out because the other thing we should note is that Kensington Palace had actually reached out to journalists. They reached out to TMZ, sending us letters saying, please do not publish photos that paparazzi take of Thomas Markle and Doria Ragland. 
because these paparazzi are being intrusive yeah. into these people's lives. And we didn't, actually. And a lot of places didn't. I mean, some places did. Yeah. But a lot of people really respected that. And there was a great deal of respect around it, considering the fact, you know, Prince Harry and Prince William, um, from all accounts, still very much believe that the paparazzi were to blame for their mother's death. Yeah. So hounding photographers is something you always want to be careful of when, yeah. when covering um, news like this. So it was very clear to a lot of people, back off. So then when this comes out, though, that, Mar- that Thomas Markle was actually engaged with one of those photos agencies, it just makes it complicated. Well, one of these photos agencies can earn up to 40000 to $100,000 for an image. Image right. for the right image, right. right? So, I mean, who's who's to blame here? I mean, is it, you know, making a deal with the devil in a way, you know, with some of these press agents, uh, photography agencies? Right. I really don't think, we were talking about it on, on TMZ um, on TV today, and, you know, someone asked, who's the villain in this story? And I actually don't think that there is a villain in this story. I think that, you know, mm. uh, oh, do you disagree? Well, Who do you think I, the villain is? I saw a clip this morning from a British TV show called yeah. Loose Women. Oh, and that's right, you were telling me about this. Samantha. The sister. Oh, well, yes, that, that, uh, this is a good point. You're right. There is a villain. Sister. And she, she admitted yeah. that she set it all up right. and convinced Thomas to uh, partake in this. I take back my charade. words. There, there may be a villain in this story. Yeah. <laughs> because she, yeah, she says that she's taking, you know, that she was the one responsible for it. And I mean, I'm sure there's a cut. I'm sure that she must have been getting some sort of cut. I mean, obviously, I don't know that, but and what she, I Megan, know of these, yeah. you know, photo agencies, right. if, if she's in direct contact with them, then there may be some sort of commission that she's getting I'm, in order to set this yeah. whole charade up. It's it's very sad, you know, obviously, because also, you know, I've, I've been told as well that this is the final nail in the coffin for Samantha and yeah. Megan's relationship, that it was already awful, but now it's just officially done. Yeah, and she wasn't invited to her previous wedding either, no. so I don't think that they had a, a good relationship I don't regardless. think No, and so I don't think it comes as a big surprise, you yeah. know, um, but definitely a sad story today. Um, so, you know, now the big question is, who's going to walk Megan down the aisle? Will she be walking alone yeah. down the aisle? I think the other question is, will Doria Ragland walk her down the aisle? That'd be cool. I think that would be lovely. You know, and I know it's untraditional, but I think it's modern. And I think it's, you know, I think what this wedding has already shown us, you know, is that things can be a little bit unconventional. And that doesn't make it any, you know, any less special. Um, And Doria was the odds-on favorite to walk Megan down the aisle before it was announced that Thomas was going to do it. Yeah. So, because everyone was already wondering whether he was going to make the trip. And they're sort of bucking the system anyway with, in terms of tradition, you know, Megan's going to be making a speech at the reception. I don't see why. Why not? This is Spilling Royalty, a podcast that follows the piping hot engagement of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, from the annals of British history to the wedding chapel at Windsor Castle. The show is half British and half American, just like the historic marriage of Meghan and Harry. I'm Sean Mandel, a producer, pop culture devotee, and TMZ's unofficial royal correspondent. And I'm Craig Robert Young, a British-born thespian working in Hollywood, but with a childhood thoroughly steeped in the Crown's culture. In each episode, we will spill the tea. That's American for gossip. On the latest stories about Meghan and Harry, tea will be served with some English history and cultural translations from across the pond that you can't go without. So, without further ado, let's spill the royal tea. (laughs) 
On this episode of Spilling Royalty, we will give you all the deets you need to watch the royal wedding this Saturday. It is imminent. Mm-hmm. We will point out where to watch, what to watch for, and how to get in the royal spirit of things. We also have a very special guest, royal expert and reporter Sandro Manetti, joining us to guide as we prepare ourselves for the big day. You know, every time uh, there's a big event or something in the news, Lifetime is always great oh, to yes. give us a Lifetime movie, right? <laughs> the, the sort of soap opera version yes. of what's actually happening. Right. It lets us fantasize about what, you know, what the conversations are behind closed doors, <laughs> yeah. right? What did you think, like, overall about the, uh, about the movie titled Harry and Meghan, A Royal Romance? Yeah. I, you know, I have to tell you, I, I really enjoyed it. Oh. Um, I, <laughs> it was actually embarrassing because I was like by myself watching it because... What were you wearing? Um, what, I know. What was I wearing? <laughs> I don't even remember. Um, oh, I actually was wearing some smart trousers and a cute button up. Oh, nice. Um, I know. <laughs> um, but I thought that it was really fun. I squealed more than a few times. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I just thought it was... For example, uh, they did a very good job, I thought, of basing the overall structure on things that we know publicly, you yeah. know, on things that have been reported widely in the media by credible sources. Yeah. They weren't venturing too far into fiction, I don't think, like, broadly speaking. Right. But I think some, you know, if we were to talk about the script... <laughs> I think yeah, let's talk about the script. A, a lot of it was sort of detailed-oriented. Yes. In terms of, like, oh, what's happening in the news right now? Let's just take that section and let a character say that. Right. No, <laughs> it was... It definitely felt like you could feel the headlines as they said them. Yeah. yeah that was definitely right. true. Um, what did you think of the casting? Um, for the most part, I thought it was really good. Yeah. I thought that uh, Murray Fraser... And, who plays Harry. Who plays Harry and Parissa Fitzhenley. Yeah, I think um, so. Was very good, I thought. I they thought were... she was really kind of down to earth and real. And, you know, yeah, I thought she did a great job. I thought she did a great job, too, because there were some really... There were some, you know, serious scenes in there as well. Yeah. You know, granted, you know, a lot of the more emotionally heavy scenes were scenes that um, were based on what they imagined, you know, they might have said, you know, what the writers yes. imagined might have been said behind closed of doors. Of course, because we, we, we would never see them in bed together. We, right. we don't have that, right? Right. They have that in the movie. Right, of course. Do you know who I really liked in the casting? Okay, who? Oh, oh. <laughs> I know what this is going to be. Camilla! Oh, Cam oh, oh, I didn't think that's what it was going to be. I she, love Camilla. I mean, it was like a Madame Tussauds wax model of Camilla. She, she looked exactly she like She also made Camilla likable. Yes. Like, no shade to Camilla, but, yeah. like, she does kind of have, you know, likability problem at times. Yeah, yeah, in yeah. In terms of popularity polls. And her character, as was Prince Charles, incredibly likable. Yeah. Well, so speaking of casting, though, um, you auditioned for this film, right? <laughs> I did, yes. Which character did um, you audition for? I, I auditioned for the uh, press relations for the palace. How appropriate. But I actually agree with the casting. They went with, like, some uh, gray-haired older yeah. gentleman. In his You're far probably... too young to play that role. Oh, well, thank you, sir. Thank you. Far too young. Um, so let's move on to the casting of uh, Prince, Prince William. William. So there were some people who thought that the actor who played Prince William, Burgess Abernethy, did not exactly resemble uh, Prince William. They thought that it was, uh, <laughs> that Prince William was maybe a bit more, uh, a bit younger looking, a bit maybe more debonair yeah. than He actually really actor. resembled uh, Prince Edward. Yes. Um, you know, I thought that... that that would have been more appropriate. I checked him out on IMDb, and yeah. he's actually a really good-looking bloke, this he Burgess. Is. No, he is. He's Australian. They, they kind of... 
Yes. Yeah. TMZ actually got an interview with Burgess. Yeah, we got an interview with him, our uh, producer, Kevin Zellman. So let's take a listen to, you know, what he had to say about the, the comparisons. I had very little prep time. Like when I heard that I got the role, I was in the script read throughs the very next day. So it was, it was a whirlwind. Um, I tried my very best to cram as much as I could in. Um, I was very focused on his smile. He does this, this sort of cheeky little smile. Um, but also his sense of humor as well, which is something that really resonated with me. I actually had no idea that Prince William was actually left-handed until one of the props guys came up to me. I was holding a cup of tea with my right hand and he was like, you actually know that he's left-handed. I was like, thank you. Thank you. Now I know. Um, so we were sort of discovering it as we were shooting again, cause we had such little prep time. A lot of people, I mean, uh, they're comparing looks of whether the actress looks like, uh, Meghan Markle, the actor looked like Harry, the actor looked like Prince William. And obviously because it's social media, people are saying everything. People are saying that maybe you didn't have the right qualities of Prince William, but that maybe because of, of your acting, that's why you got the role. Oh, well, look, I know I, I'm not a dead ringer for him. That's for sure. I, I hope that I embodied his spirit and tried to portray his journey as best that I could. The accent was, was another big transformational part. So nailing the accent, we had a very good dialect coach. It was hard for me to drop the nasality because Australians are very nasal. So I had to get more of that breathy sort of, you know, British upper class accent. Drop the jaw and talk. Drop the jaw and talk. That was one of the warm-ups. Would it be weird for you after playing him? Like, let's say uh, Will and Kate saw the movie, they loved it, and they wanted to meet the people who were playing them. Would it be weird to meet the person that you were portraying? Uh, it would be terrifying to meet William. Uh, just, <laughs> just in the hope that I did him some sort of justice, or he responded or connected to my performance in some sort of way, that would be uh, amazing. It would be an honor to meet them, of course. You know, sometimes when you get a role as an actor, uh, you're given maybe two weeks in order to prepare before you get on set. So it's not an awful lot of time. No. So this guy did an amazing job, I think, in my eyes, in terms of transforming himself, uh, you know, from this Australian sort of rugby player looking guy to, you know, the bit more uh, second in line to the throne of England. Yeah. No, I thought he did. uh, Good sport, mate. Yeah. You know, one other thing is that I loved the creative plot device of Diana as a lion's spirit animal. Like, you know, Diana, like, reincarnated in this, like, African lion in Botswana it was... that, that Prince Harry first meets, you know, when they go there after, you know, Diana dies. And then when he's having his biggest he fight. He moves his father's gun out the way to make sure he doesn't right, kill, kill cause the it's, lion. Right, because it's Diana. <laughs> and, um, you know, in the fight, in this scene where they're ha- he's having a fight with Megan, you know, about Diana because he doesn't want to talk about it. And he goes running off into the wilderness and there comes the lion. The lion. Well, OK, and this is my problem. It should have been a lioness. It was a male lion. Yeah. Maybe it, they just didn't have the budget. Yeah, maybe a lot. I mean, like, listen, I think it's probably a production issue. I think there probably <laughs> wasn't like a lioness available that day. In stock footage. Right. You know, or, you know, that was trainable. So. But it was very um, Circle of Life. It was very Lion King-esque, yeah. you know. Yeah. Was, uh, I mean, it was very poetic. I loved it. I thought it was a great choice of, <laughs> a great way to take our it, it was, The cheese fact meter went like, Bring! 
it went a little cheesy there, broke it over but the it was so beautiful. But it was such a creative choice that, like, because I just, you know, it's just not something you think of, and I just, I, I liked it. Well, one of the funny things that I found was uh, reading uh, some Twitter comments. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What fact. were your favorite ones? Well, so I, I took the liberty of like writing down some of them. Of course. Um, from hello, it's Darby. Half the time I'm yelling at the TV. The half of the time I'm like, this is so spot on. I love that you're doing it in your American accent, like Valley Girl accent when you say Because I'm imagining that's who she is. Well, hello, it's Darby. That's good, but kind of like Valley Girl. Yeah, hello, it's Darby. Oh, my God. Okay, there was another one um, that was fun. Um, This was from Amber L. Carter. She said, Harry and Meghan made it in Botswana, and so did two lions outside their tent. Hopefully one of them wasn't Diana's spirit lion, because that would be Ox. 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 Yeah. Um, And then another one was from at Samusaran. And it was a question, why are Will and Kate being made to look bad and rude in this movie? I think that goes back again to the point of, like, I think they just needed someone to be the voice that brings in the possibility of, you know, criticism and tension. So that way it's addressed, you know, because someone probably did say those things. I don't think it was Will and Kate. No. It was probably uh, some courtier or something. They still exist. And you can't just have a Lifetime movie with everybody being nice. Right. Well, you can't have a movie with everybody being nice. There has to be tension. Exactly. Otherwise, there's no drama. And the final one, at Christy Trotty tweeted, I'll tweet it myself is the most 2016-ish threat I've ever heard. Oh, yeah, that was when Prince Harry was talking about the press statement that he was going to make. And he threatened in the movie, in the movie, I should say, in the movie. um, He threatened Prince Charles. He's like, if you don't, if Kensington Palace won't release this statement, I'll tweet it myself. Which I kind of (laughs) wanted to fact check him on because I'm like, you don't have your own Twitter. Like, your Twitter is Kensington, like... (laughs) At Kensington Royal or at Kensington Palace. And so, like, those are your options. So, like, I'm like, is Prince Harry going to go rogue and create his own Twitter account and be like, yo, it's Prince Harry? Yeah. But, I mean... That's a great handle. At yo, it's Prince Harry. At yo, it's Prince Harry. I mean, it's probably not taken. (laughs) I know. Let's take it out. (laughs) I know, right? I wonder what... I wonder if he has a secret Twitter account. Oh. Anyway, check it out. I'm sure they're going to be doing some reruns all the way through uh, this Oh, I'm sure you'll have plenty of chances to see it. Yeah. All right. Well, welcome, Sandro, to the pod. Um, So uh, I understand that you have a very interesting little tidbit about how you first began covering the Royals. It's kind of bizarre because uh, for the last few months, I've been covering the build up to the wedding for CNN Headline News, which kind of brings me full circle because it was back in uh, 96. uh, I started my national newspaper career in Britain as a royal reporter on the Daily Star. Um, I just joined from Smash Hits magazine with the idea that I would cover music stuff and other celebrities. But of course, there are no bigger celebrities in in Britain uh, than the royals. So um, we were having a, uh, uh, what you would call a think tank, i.e. a boozy discussion at lunch. And uh, I was sharing sharing my opinion, because I was very opinionated back then, about the royal family. What was that opinion? Uh, That opinion was that Buckingham Palace, with its 659 rooms, should be converted into a homeless shelter, and overnight solve all the homeless problems in London and the PR problems the royal family was having and my suggestion was they all decamp to Windsor Castle um, and then hand over Buckingham Palace as a gesture uh, to solve the homeless problem in in London. And the editor said that's just the kind of attitude we need in our new royal reporter. But I I don't think you understand. I'm not really a huge fan of the royal family. He said exactly. That's the people you want I guess to to be covering. That's a great story. I Uh, love that. 
that would be interesting though wouldn't it to, to have all those homeless people in Buckingham Palace because I mean like you say with all those rooms it's sort of left empty I mean, it, it really is I mean the royals have got so many palaces all I mean, over the country they could huge... spare one I had heard actually an interesting um, anecdote I don't know if it's apocryphal but um, about Mother Teresa um, meeting with Princess Diana um, who uh, and talking about Kensington Palace and she was like you have so many rooms here think of all the people you could um, you, all the homeless people you could house or tourists I mean Mother Teresa was basically inventing Airbnb years earlier that's what she was <laughs> suggesting well, we're so happy that you're here with us today. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about what we can expect at this wedding. What to keep our eyes out for. What to keep your eyes out for. And I'll, um, I guess I'll start with, uh, you know, what is, where is Windsor Castle? What is Windsor Castle? Well, it's um, in the district of Windsor and Maidenhead in Berkshire, which is about it, probably an hour's b- bus journey out of, out London. of London. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, you know, when we talk about what is Windsor? You know, in America, we have great cities and we have states. And, you know, in the UK, we have counties and yeah. we have towns and things like that. Duchies. So, yes. <laughs> You're very familiar. <laughs> um, so for an American audience, you know, it's it's like a county, I guess, yeah. is, uh, is what Windsor is. How old is, was, is Windsor is Windsor Castle? Though? Yeah. So it was built in the 11th century and it's the oldest and largest occupied palace in the whole of Europe. Oh. Yeah, there's a, a tons and tons of history to this place. There's like 10 monarchs are buried there, wow. including Henry VIII. Oh. And it's said that his second wife, who, you know, he <coughs> cut off her head, Anne Boleyn, still makes regular appearances haunting the grounds. Oh, fantastic. Maybe the ghost of Anne Boleyn will show up at the wedding. <laughs> I mean, talk about <laughs> strong royal women. <laughs> Next Lifetime movie. <laughs> we should invite, we had a psychic on a previous episode, um, a psychic Shirley. We should totally dispatch her to the wedding yes. to channel Anne Boleyn, <laughs> to have her do a reading of Anne Boleyn. Another great fact is that during World War II, the royal family used Windsor Castle as a shelter from, you know, the German bombings. Yeah. Um, And that survived, whereas uh, Buckingham Palace and 10 Downing Street were bombed constantly. It was really their, like, you know, um, safe place. Yeah, exactly. During that Their bunker. Yeah, yeah, their bunker. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. And, you know, that that was sort of typical. They moved all the children out of London during that time. Right, that's right. The evacuees, they went to the countryside. (laughs) Just like in Narnia. They got evacuated to Narnia (laughs) with a fawn and all the Turkish delight they could eat. (laughs) Right. And then things took a turn. (laughs) There was a lion. Right. It was Princess Diana. (gasps) It all comes full circle, guys. Um, so yeah, so why we're used to seeing some dramatic bridal entrances at Westminster Abbey yeah, right. and, and St. Paul's, uh, Windsor Castle ha- has its own majestic backdrop. It's, they have a, the, the Long Walk, it's right. called. It's a three-mile avenue leading into the Great Park and will provide uh, the most stunning backdrop to Harry and Meghan's carriage ride which we talked about in a previous episode. You're so right, Craig, because so much of England is a complete dump. But Windsor (laughs) is an absolute picture postcard perfect setting for a royal wedding. It sort of is. It sort of is. I went to, uh, you know, Elton John has a, a residence there and he hosts his white tie and tiara ball there every year. And I went to the first one and that's in Windsor. In Windsor. Yeah. Oh, wow. So that was very, very, very nice. Very fancy. 
So the wedding will be taking place at Windsor Castle, but within Windsor Castle is, of course, St. George's Chapel, where the actual ceremony will be taking place. Uh, And we should note that this is where Prince Harry was baptized. Uh, It's also where uh, the Prince of Wales and the Duchess of Cornwall, Prince Charles uh, and Camilla, were married um, in 2005. Queen Elizabeth famously did not attend the ceremony. She attended a blessing that happened afterwards. And the chapel is, is really interesting because, you know, like... Uh, Westminster, it has a very long history, um, just as the, the entire castle itself does. It dates back about 700 years. Um, has uh, some elements that are decorated to uh, with the insignia of the Knights of the Garter. What is the Knights of the Garter? It is a order um, that the Queen uh, can bestow upon you. So, like, most of the members of the royal household are members of the Knights of the Garter. It's a, it's a pr- uh, premature place, basically, to uh, a privilege to be It's considered. like ultra-VIP. Right, yeah. 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 It sounds like it's a black uh, eyes wide yeah. shut sort of party. Yeah, you no. have to say Fidelio at the <laughs> Windsor they, Castle door. They do, ha- they do actually wear like the Super garters society. and like show some, you know, show the it's leg. It's just like eyes wide shut there. Yeah, <laughs> I told you. Yeah, exactly. Where's exactly. Nicole Kidman? I know. Is she, she going to go be the, the royal wedding? version? <laughs> um, so, so yeah, so there's there's a lot of tradition, you know, and history that goes into uh, St. George's Chapel, Windsor Castle. And interestingly enough, you know, we talked about Anne Boleyn. Um, yeah. The date of the wedding, May 19th. May 19th is the date that Anne Boleyn was executed. Oh, there, so at, at Windsor, no, no I believe she wasn't at Windsor. I believe she was executed um, at the Tower of London yeah. in London. Another reason for her ghost to show up at the royal wedding. <laughs> right. She's like, I will not be forgotten. <laughs> yes. She's going to sing um, Don't Forget Me from Smash season <laughs> yes, one. That's right. If you don't know Smash, look it up. It's yeah. a dramatically underlooked show. Don't lose show. your heads over that one. Yeah. yeah. So um, roll. lots of uh, lots of history uh, that we'll be playing into that big day. Now, let's talk about the guests which are going to be at at the wedding, of course, because the stars will be out. They will. I mean, you know, this is an actress with some actress friends, um, Priyanka Chopra. Um, will get over the disappointment uh, of her show Quantico being cancelled. Just cancelled! With yeah. an invite to the royal wedding. She's now jobless, so she'll be looking for Plenty any of, photo opportunity. <laughs> Plenty of time. All these new shows being picked up for next season. You know, who is not going to want Priyanka Chopra with the royal wedding fame? Her salary has just gone up, you know, so she it's, is available for work. It's a great <laughs> PR opportunity, because think about it, you know, normally you have to wait till like the Oscars or, you know, the Golden Globes or the Emmys to have a red carpet moment to get yourself in the headlines. Yeah. She's got the royal wedding at perfectly timed. Absolutely. Other actress friends like uh, Timeless's Abigail Spencer yes. you know, will be there, of course. And, She's beautiful. Uh, uh, she certainly is. And uh, and the queen, the, the real queen of England, Elton John, will be there, <laughs> of course, <laughs> in, a, in, a, in attendance. Um, no step-siblings on the other guest list. No. Uh, uh, Janina Gavanka, our good friend from That's the Toskers, right, will probably be there. The Toskers will be represented yes. at, the, uh, at the royal wedding. Now, also 600 of Harry and Meghan's uh, closest family and, and, and friends. So, um, yeah, no Donald Trump, but, you know, people they actually sort of know and, yes. and befriend and hang out with. And 1,200 members of the public will be in the grounds. Now, yes. I, I thought a lot about this. It's like, oh, I've been invited to the, the royal wedding. But no, you're actually outside. It's a bit like getting an invite to a Hollywood premiere and finding you're watching it on the second screen that the stars <laughs> well, on are the bleachers. Actually, on the bleachers. Yeah. That's yeah. what it is. These are the bleacher seats outside like, <laughs> yes. the Oscars, basically. Yes. 
Exactly. Rent so a they crowd. have a rent a crowd. Um, so they have got a close up view. It'll be a bit like the the fans down the front of American Idol. You know, it's like waving and cheering <laughs> yes. and everything. So it'll be like that. Um, but they're also, um, uh, you know, representatives of uh, charities that Meghan and Harry have, have worked with, and and people for whom this wedding invite will will mean a lot. An example um, uh, among those um, twelve hundred people is Amelia Thompson, mm. who was injured in the Manchester Arena uh, attack, yes. and uh, you know, so that's um, the Ariana the, the, Grande concert. The right? last yeah. place, last time that Britain was really in the eyes of the world with a global outpouring of, of emotion and uh, Amelia will symbolically uh, represent the best of Britain really the survival, the the strength, the emotion, resilience. and the resilience, you know, of Britain, which has been a part of uh, of Britain throughout history. I mean, you mentioned the evacuation and the war and the Blitz. That whole sort of uh, British spirit of uh, keep calm, carry on, and look fabulous. Speaking of looking fabulous, we should talk about the fashion. Let's talk about the fashion. Okay, nice I'm here for it. So, um, you know. Obviously, ladies are going to be wearing hats. I mean, it's They're required. required. Yeah. Um, you know, all eyes on, on Will and Kate's wedding was the... Um, <laughs> Princess the Eugenie and Princess <laughs> Beatrice. Beatrice. With their... Fascinators. Fascinating fascinators, I guess. Yes. Because it really did take on... They took on lives of their own. I didn't think Completely. they had memes back then, but... It was, know, I today, feel like they may have started memes. <laughs> I feel like they may have single-handedly been responsible. Because I remember the meme. There was, cause it was, a oh, meme. was a meme. There was a meme of the two stepsisters <laughs> from Cinderella yeah. juxtaposed with the pictures of Princess Beatrice and Eugenie. <laughs> but there are definitely rules on what to wear, right? And, uh, there are. You know, like, obviously... Women should not wear white. Don't want to, you know, you don't want to steal the thunder of the yeah, bride. Yeah. Or all black, by the way, because then it's like, looks like you're dressing for a funeral. For a funeral, exactly. And bare legs are a big no-no yes. in the presence of the, so of, no, of the royals was, as, as but well. Megan actually had bare legs in her, uh, in the photo call uh, for her engagement, when they announced the engagement with she Prince Harry. She is such a rebel. You rebel. Know, we were expecting the nude stockings, but bare legs. What next? <laughs> Karaoke at the reception? I mean, scandal <laughs> is what I have to say. And so the big question, of course, is what will Megan's dress look like. It's expected that the dress will be designed by Australian designers Ralph and Russo, um, who designed her engagement uh, outfit and uh, it will of course be the most imitated wedding dress in the world. The 1999 knockoff will be in the shops on Monday. (laughs) In ASOS as seen on stars. (laughs) The guys will obviously be wearing morning suits. Uh, It's a formal set of clothing including a long sort of Black, grey, uh, a black or grey coat, uh, right. striped trousers, and, of course, the uh, top hat. Uh, but if a man has been in the military, usually they wear their uniform. Right. You know, he and William both wore their military uh, uniforms um, for William's wedding back in 2011. So I think we, we can uh, probably expect to see Harry in his. I think he should wear a hoodie and a beanie hat. <laughs> his preferred I think attire. he should wear a frog costume. <laughs> That's right. I think the frog costume would be preferable. most modern wedding ever. Well, and speaking of, you know, some uh, a fresh take, a rebellious take, you know, Megan is reportedly not going to be hiring a makeup artist uh, do it for the big day. She has a couple of her American gal pals who are going to be there for guidance. And they're going to watch Drag Queen tutorials on Oh, YouTube. I hope not, because then it won't turn out very good. Candor eyes, that's what I'm looking for. Really dark and smoky. <laughs> yeah, smoky eye, maybe not so much for, for the big day. Although, Contouring you know, all around. Right. Although we're here, three blokes talking about, you know, her makeup. So, you know, she, she can do whatever she wants. 
Um, but just uh, don't take her freckles away. Yeah, yes, I know. Which was another fun point in in the movie, the movie. and in the Lifetime movie. And I really like that because she's she's talked about it before. She's proud of you know being like a biracial freckled woman, like because it represents all of her heritage. Yeah. Anyway, let's talk about flowers. Let's talk about flowers. Um, so we talked about this a little bit before, but, yeah. you know, we talk about some ways that the wedding is a little bit more rebellious. She's going a bit more traditional um, with the flowers, although I guess there's one flower in particular that maybe you don't see at royal weddings all the time, uh, which is peonies. You see that a lot more in American weddings. Uh, peonies are very popular among American women, and it is actually her favorite flower. And there's um, a tradition, right, of something in the bouquet? Yes, yes. So this is a lovely little tradition. It's a sprig of myrtle that um, royal brides traditionally use in their uh, bouquets. It dates back to Queen Victoria. What is uh, myrtle? Do you know what myrtle is? It's just um, it's seen a, it? I, I've seen it. It looks like a greenish um, white and with like white little buds. Yeah, I wonder what it represents. We'll have to look at look that up. Um, well, actually, I have the answer for you. Oh. Uh, myrtle represents love, fertility, and innocence. Um, and it's been grown at um, Osborne House, which was Queen Victoria's holiday home on the Isle of Wight, uh, for about the past 170 years. Oh. So uh, it has a symbolic meaning as well as just sort of looking like something you would find in the English countryside. Yeah. Um, now, another interesting question about the flowers um, that is a new sort of thing we've been talking about is what is Megan going to do with her bouquet? Now, normally... Throw it to Craig! <laughs> yes, please. All the way she over there. She already has, she already has a, a, future, uh, a future husband. I just need a date. <laughs> Not a date date, but a I know, date. I was like, careful. <laughs> careful that you say Actual, that. Actual, like... Yeah, n- uh, a day numeral. on the calendar. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> so, you know, many royal brides uh, in the past, including Queen Elizabeth, Queen Elizabeth, the Queen Mother, I should say, um, have laid their bouquet at the tomb of the unknown warrior as they leave the ceremony. This is at Westminster Abbey. And since, obviously, we're not at Westminster Abbey... She'll need the throw of a real baseball outfield I mean, to, to reach get from it, there. Right. <laughs> I mean, let alone, even if she wanted to throw it from uh, the from anywhere in St. George's Chapel. Even Tom Brady Chapel. couldn't manage that. <laughs> but what if it was inflated properly? Oh, oh yes. Uh, she sport, could put it on I a tried a sports joke. It didn't work. <laughs> um, I should stick to the Royals. Yeah, you talk to two British people that know nothing about it. <laughs> And me trying to do a football joke is not exactly the most convincing. Um, so the question is, you know, where will Megan lay hers? Um, it, it's possible that she may take it with her, and then when she returns to London, go to Westminster Abbey and especially lay it at the tomb of the Unknown Warrior. So let's turn now to uh, the actual marriage ceremony itself and the officiants who are going to be involved. We got some uh, some really interesting news this last week about that. Um, you know, of course, we knew before that Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, will be marrying um, His Royal Highness and Ms. Markle. Um, but we found out um, a new fact, which is that uh, an American pastor will give the address at the wedding. Oh. Um, and it is going to be the Most Reverend Michael Curry. He is the presiding bishop of the Episcopal Church, which is a U.S. branch of the Church of England. Bishop Curry uh, is African-American. He also is premier, uh, is based out of Chicago, where Megan went to school. Yeah. Um, we was recently spotted wearing her White Sox cap, so she clearly has an affinity for Chicago and still some love for that city in her now, heart. Now, I love this so much. You know, we've got an American preacher at a British royal wedding. Yeah. So will he really be giving it the, can I get an amen? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would be there for that. That would be amazing. Yeah. I would love that. I would. I love a little Take soul. me to church on that one. This is Take- exactly what I was saying. We need to shake it up. You might see some 
compassion, you know, I mean, at the very least, we may not get an amen, but there may be some, you know, like passion in his address that we might not normally see mm-hmm. at a royal wedding. It might be a little bit, you know, it might be just a little more standard normally. Yeah. This... Oh, yeah. And boring and dull. I a mean, lot of, yes. A lot of other sermons. adjectives one could use. Yeah. Seriously, it could be a real highlight. No, I really yeah. think, I mean, yeah. which is a really brilliant move if you mm. think about it, because they've taken an element of the wedding that is normally just at royal weddings, at least, and at a lot of weddings, actually, you know, kind of looked over or like you said, considered the boring part, the part you have to get through. And now they've made it a real feature of the wedding and something that we're all going to be looking at. And remember, this is uh, a very interesting note as well, I think, because um, Bishop Curry has been a staunch uh, defender of rights of same-sex couples to marry. And this is very interesting because Meghan and Harry, when they were meeting with uh, members of the Commonwealth for the Youth Commonwealth Conference, uh, they spoke with some LGBT activists and they said, you know, Megan said that this is a human rights issue, uh, LGBT rights. And Harry had remarked to uh, one individual saying that, you know, 10 years ago, we wouldn't have been able to have able to have this conversation. And it's amazing how far we've moved. And we're definitely going to take this issue up, you know, as soon as we you know, start doing our duties, because he is the youth uh, Commonwealth ambassador. Yeah. So it really is amazing to see like they are choosing their causes and fitting them into this wedding. Yeah. And uh- uh, just this week, Queen Elizabeth, Harry's grandmother, as we know, has, has now signed the instrument of consent, meaning that her grandson is granted official permission to actually marry Meghan. Yeah. Uh, what is the instrument of consent? Well, it features, uh, what it looks like is it features a red dragon, which is obviously the symbol of Wales, if you didn't know that, along with a rose, thistle and a shamrock, Britain's floral emblems yes. that represent all the uh, different countries. Uh, Markle's heritage is honored with a rose, which is the national flower of the United States, and golden poppies representing the state flower of her birthplace, California. And finally, olive branches are also visible, and they're adopted from the Great Seal of the United States. You mentioned Wales just before, which brings us to the ring. Now, royal wedding bands have historically mm, yes. been made with Welsh gold since 1923, in fact. A um, series of uh, five royal brides have had wedding bands made from the same little nugget of Welsh gold. But there was a, just a tiny little bit left for, for Kate Middleton. So, oh. so they, they had to create, a, there was a new nugget Dug oh. up a new nugget of gold, and so it's much bigger now. So, uh, so there's was there more, a leprechaun involved. There was a leprechaun involved. <laughs> Stay away from me, gold. And, and so, and so Megan doesn't need to worry about the last little bit of the nugget. She's got a new golden nugget, bringing a bit of Las Vegas glamour to the wedding. The eyes of the world are going to be on Windsor, yes. which I, I said before was picture postcard perfect. Uh, imagine in, in Shrek, if you will, you know, when there's a royal wedding in Shrek. It kind of looks like that, you know. We're not talking about hot dogs frying in the street and a Nando's. It's all very or sort a of... a singing donkey. No singing donkey. You know, well, maybe, actually. Maybe there will be a singing donkey. But, uh, yeah, thousands of people descending on the town. There will be food stalls. There'll be facilities. There'll be the, the, the big screens. But it, it'll be... Every Everyone's vision of English perfection. You'll get to know places like Castle Hill, High Street, Sheet Street, Kings Road, not the Chelsea one, Albert Road, and the aforementioned uh, Long Walk. There'll be uh, the stewards, there'll be visitors from around the world there, and the town centre will be decorated with, with bunting and what that is, it's flags, of course, ceremonial banners, you know, no no ads for new movies, anything like that. <laughs> it won't be like corporate sponsorship. <laughs> no, no, none of that. You know, it's just plenty of uh, union jazz. 
Jacks, live entertainment from local groups. And so what a nice gig to get, you know, yeah. if you sort of put the hat down and entertain all those tourists. But if also, you're a busker, this yeah, is the time to say, do it. It's going to be great. The local fish and chip shop's going to be doing gangbusters. Oh, it is. I mean, prices will be up 300%, won't they? <laughs> 20 quid for fish and chips? <laughs> yes. How dare you? And also the uh, pubs and bars across England and Wales will be allowed to stay open longer than uh, later than usual, serving until 1am on the morning of the wedding day and, and again after the couple are married. Um, also, which is interesting, that the BBC um, <laughs> have uh, waived the TV license fee. Yeah. Now, every household is expected to have a TV license, which they pay. And there's a man that goes around in a van with these big rabbit ears to detect those that don't. He's have not a making TV this license. up, by the way. This is real. This is <laughs> yes. true. Yeah, he's, he's <laughs> like the crazy. lollipop man in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Oh People God, can terrifying. smell him coming, and everyone runs and hides and hides their TVs under the couches just in case they come in and they see a TV in their house and they're not paying the fee. I mean, it's they can be really heavily fined. I think they... Could they be imprisoned? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, uh, just before I'm I was... Gobsmacked. a gobsmacked. Yeah, just, like... just before I was a royal reporter, I covered courts and there was endless cases of old ladies who had not paid the £100 TV fine. Oh so they were threatened with jail. So, uh, yes, yeah. it is. Uh, there's, there's two laws in Britain. You've got to pay your TV licence. Also, did you know it's illegal to um, send a stamp with the Queen's head upside down? Oh. It should not be delivered. Oh, I think if you, I've done that. Yeah, that's why your Christmas cards went missing, Craig. <laughs> that's uh, why I'm in living in Los Angeles. So, uh, yeah, you mentioned the TV coverage, so uh, the, uh, the listeners are probably wondering where... Can they watch the, the, the wedding? Well, yeah. I mean, it'll be streaming on TMZ.com. So uh, that's uh, one essential option. And all the major networks will, will be showing it. My own CNN family will have seven hours of uh, coverage uh, across all the uh, the channels. Uh, CNN, CNN International Headline News. Now, if you want to watch the BBC coverage, uh, you can do so on PBS and BBC America. If you think a royal wedding is not a royal wedding without uh, Brits like myself and, uh, <laughs> and commentating. Craig, you know, commentating on it. Um, if you want a more comedic approach, then HBO. Yes. I've got Will Ferrell and Molly Shannon oh, <laughs> doing the Royal Wedding Live with Cord and Tish. You know, <laughs> and uh, you know, uh, you know. I, I think if you want to watch uh, the, the networks, uh, Hoda is always entertaining. Having yes. her and Kathy Lee, you <laughs> never NBC. know what they're going to come up with. Um, over on E, my friend Melanie Bromley, uh, a great Brit, you know, will be uh, yes. uh, over there uh, doing it. So yeah, there's plenty of options. Um, it'll be carried on YouTube and. Um, you know, ev- everywhere you can you can watch it. Um, starting uh, nine a.m. British summer time, which is four a.m. on the east coast, one a.m. on the west coast. Now, the wedding of William and Kate um, got an audience of twenty-four million. Um, do we think that a higher TV audience uh, will be drawn by the Harry and Meghan wedding. What do you think? I think worldwide, yes, because there's much more worldwide interest because obviously with Meghan being American. Yeah. However, I don't think there are going to be that many Brits tuning in. I that's d- interesting. Yeah. That's quite possible. Yeah. yeah. I think but, that's, um, a, that's maybe a fair assessment. So it will be interesting to see what the final tally is. It's a big TV is. day in Britain because the FA Cup final is yes. just hours later. Football Super Bowl takes place three hours after the wedding and, uh, and William as chairman of the Football Association, will be at the cup final, taking the Royal Helicopter, you know, from Windsor to Wembley. So, Sandro, of course, you're going to be in L.A. 
I um, am. And you're actually, we're going to be together because uh, um, my company, Brits and Lay, are going to be hosting uh, a royal slumber party, watch party at the Cat and the Fiddle in Hollywood. Which is LA's royal wedding destination. It seems to be. Royal fans, media will be. be descending on there. It's going to be nuts. I think there's going to be more press there than actual guests. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sandro, you're going to be covering for whom? Um, yes, I'll be uh, broadcasting for uh, British radio stations, uh, LBC and Heart FM, and uh, interviewing the punters and probably interviewing yourself. What will you be doing there? Uh, I will be drinking. Uh, I'll have my little hip flask because obviously the bar will be closed. Uh, so I'll be sneaking a little bit of whiskey every but now and then. But they are serving non-alcoholic mocktails. Yes, we are indeed. We have the Mar- Markle Sparkle and the Bloody Harry. I love it. <laughs> and of course, if you're on Twitter, uh, you can follow uh, our producer, Maggie Van Dorn. She will be live tweeting the wedding. You can follow her and join the conversation at Get Spoke. But what, what else are we looking out for? So um, I was thinking about this. You know, uh, if you're in the wanting to get in the royal spirit and thinking about like what you may want to watch, uh, you know, the lead up to the royal wedding to get yourself uh, in the mood, as it were. Um, I King put, Ralph. Yes. Yeah, I've actually seen King Ralph. Um, <laughs> I didn't put it on the list, though. Um, Out of a thousand days. <laughs> uh, to, to sort of get yourself in the spirit of things, um, obviously, you should definitely check out uh, the Harry and Meghan Lifetime movie as we talked about, because it is just really fun. Fox News, CBS, and CNN actually all have docs uh, on Megan. You can watch some of those on Hulu or iTunes. So does Lifetime. They have the uh, Royal Rebels. That's right. Yeah, Uh, I saw that as well. And of course, you know, um, in terms of streaming options, things you can find on Netflix, etc. The Crown is a classic (laughs) to watch, especially because so much of the two seasons that we have so so far focus on the woes of marriage, right? Uh, Focus on the challenges that Princess Margaret had, for example, in marrying a divorcee. So to watch that and see where we are now, is really really lovely. There's the lifetime movie of Will and, Wills and Kate. That's as well, true. You can all, also um, watch that to see the last you know big royal wedding we starring had. Starring Camilla Luddington now in Grey's Anatomy. It all <laughs> started with her playing uh, uh, Kate Middleton. Of course, that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, there's a great one called The Royal House of Windsor on Netflix, which actually gets into some of the history that we were talking about last week about how the Windsor dynasty really sort of established itself. Some other great favorites, the young Victoria. I love yeah, an Emily Blunt as powerful young Queen Elizabeth or Queen Victoria. Mary Poppins as young Victoria. Yes, right. exactly. Yes. I mean, all of the Jordan British the icons, <laughs> right? The most British icons. A couple great ones about Princess Diana. Diana, in her own words, on Netflix, yeah. um, it features recordings that the princess did um, with her, I believe, voice and dialect coach. That's sensational television. Highly recommended, yeah. Very, very much. Um, Was that released for the 25th anniversary of her death? The 20th, yes. 20th, yes. sorry. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also there's a, another documentary, Diana, Seven Days That Shook the World, really about the week that Diana died and how unprecedented everything that happened that week was. Really makes you reflect that Megan is the same age now as Diana was when she died. Isn't that crazy? Mm, I was thinking about that last night. And um, yeah, I just think that that's such a a strange... A sinister symmetry. It is. It really is. That's a great way of describing it. Um, And, uh, you know, to follow up on that, if you want to see a fictional version of Those Seven Days, you should watch The Queen starring Helen Mirren, Mm. because that is also about Those Seven Days and how it really shook the monarchy to its core. Yeah. One of my favorite movies last year was um, Victoria and Abdul. Yes, that's right. Yeah. uh, I think it's probably available on iTunes Yeah, you can probably rent that. That's a great movie. It's a great movie. Um, Also deals with the royal family and race, which is, you know, uh, a very apt for us to look at today. And features something that's still a tradition where if you're eating where the queen is eating um, when she finishes you finish yes yeah, she's, yeah. you're done so yeah. eat fast
You yeah. don't eat before she eats, and when she finishes, you finish as well. Just exactly. wolf it down. Wolf it down. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Sandra Menetti, for joining us today on Spilling Royalty. It's been a right royal pleasure. Congratulations <laughs> on a great show. Thrilled to be part of it. Well, the tea has been spilled, and it's been rather hot. I'm Sean Mandel. And I'm Craig Robert Young. And thank you for joining us on Spilling Royalty, the podcast. Spilling Royalty is a collaboration between TMZ and Spoke. Use Spoke to find your next favorite podcast. Learn more at hearspoke.com. Maggie Van Dorn is our executive producer, and you can subscribe to Spilling Royalty on Apple Podcasts. For more coverage of the Royal Wedding, visit tmz.com.